Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now... Presenting Rattled and Shook. I'm April. And I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Shook. A podcast where we tune into scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears. But in a fun way. Woo-woo. And speaking of fun, mm-hmm. we both watched uh, Friday. Well, oh my God. That's not what it's called. We both watched <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's. I keep call- wanting to mm-hmm. call it Friday Night at Freddy's. Five Nights at Freddy's. So... Um, we both watched it over the weekend because it came out Halloween weekend. And if mm-hmm. you don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is, it's like a new Blumhouse produced horror movie based on a video game. Yep. Based on a video game uh, that's been around for almost 10 years, I think. It's basically, we, we've referenced it before. It's a scary Chuck E. Cheese. It's animatronics yeah. coming to life. And you, in the video game, you play as a security guard who's basically trying to stay alive through the night by strategically shutting off entryway points to the control room that you're in so the animatronics can't get to you. But at the same time, you need to maintain power. I'm trying to explain this. You're doing a really good job. You know okay. a lot more about the game than <laughs> I do. <laughs> if you keep, you can't keep all the entryway points closed the whole time because then you'll run out of power. Yeah. So you have to do it strategically. It's almost like whack-a-mole. Gotcha. But it's just like basically horror, mm-hmm. scary animatronics. And we were both really excited for this like killer Chuck E. Cheese movie. So right. Um, we'll get into our thoughts at the end of the episode. <laughs> um, we're not going to do it now. Yeah. Apparently, a lot of people did like it. A lot of people liked it. It did a lot very of well came out and office. saw it. Very, did very well. well. It has a very high audience score. But this, I think we've tried to like kind of theme this episode with some similar stories to the subject matter that's in Five Nights at Freddy's. So if you were excited for it or you just really like creepy animatronics and creepy childhood nostalgia, then we've got some stories in that vein. Yes. But I also have a question for you on this note, April. Oh. Have you ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? Did you go growing up? You know what? I cannot remember ever going to Chuck E. Cheese. What? I think my older sister went to Chuck E. Cheese once or twice. She was terrified of the animatronics, hated it, 
never went back. And my mom just didn't have the rest of us go back because um, she thought it was dirty. <laughs> Fair. She judged Chuck E. Cheese and their weird pizza shapes. Fair. <laughs> Do you know about the weird pizza shapes? No. What are their pizza shaped like? I don't remember. There's a theory that the Chuck E. Cheese pizza is made of leftovers from uneaten pizza that has been served to prior guests. So, and that's no. why it kind of looks no. like different sized pieces just shoved together. Yeah, oh, that's a theory. That's so gross. <laughs> I hope that's not true because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I had a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party. Uh, or there was a Chuck E. Cheese near where I grew up and I went several times and I remember mm -hmm. the like show that the animatronics put on where the, the curtain opens and the lights turn yeah. on and they come towards the kids a little bit on the stage and then they mm -hmm. play that weird rock band looking pop song. Do you remember what song they play at Chuck E. Cheese? Like what kind of music they sing? I don't remember. I know it's like they were like proprietary jams, you know? They weren't yeah. <laughs> they weren't playing like real songs. I'm pretty sure they're playing Chuck E. Cheese music. Yeah, it wasn't Journey? No. Boston? No. That would be fun. I don't think so. It'd be fun to watch that giant rat sing more than a feeling. <laughs> Actually, what music did Chuck E. Cheese play? Oh my gosh. Chuck E. Cheese songs on Spotify. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's there's our playlist. <laughs> wow, we gotta go check that out. Oh, it's so creepy. I'm just looking at pictures of Chuck E. Cheese. He's a big rat, right? He's a big he's like a big rat. Or I guess he's supposed to be a mouse. Maybe? I don't know. I, don't I think know. he's giving he's giving rat. Yeah. <laughs> um big rat energy. Wow, I, t I typed in to Google, is Chuck E. Cheese, and the first thing that popped up is haunted. Is Chuck E. Cheese haunted? <laughs> then it said, is Chuck E. Cheese out of business? Then it said, is Chuck E. Cheese a rat? Then it says, uh -huh. is Chuck E. Cheese evil? And then it says, is Chuck E. Cheese salad bar unlimited? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on that note, let's tune into our first story. Let's do it. This is so weird, so bizarre, I almost don't even want to talk about it. When I was in first grade, there was a kind of creepy bathroom down the hallway from my classroom. It was tucked into a corner and was dark and dingy, and it was so far from the other classrooms and next to a supply closet. It was the kind of place that no one would hear you should you cry for help. For some reason, it always seemed vacant even though in theory, all these little first graders and kindergartners were going to the bathroom there throughout the day. I can only think of one or two times that someone else was in there with me. It was unsettling. Anyway, it was Halloween last period, or however time is delineated in first grade, school was almost over. I asked to go to the bathroom and walk down the hallway by myself to the creepy bathroom. I always chose the stall closest to the exit. You know, just in case. As soon as I shut the stall door, a soft, melodic music started playing from the vents. I had never heard music in our bathroom before, but the song definitely sounded like it was coming from above me, and definitely had that 
slightly flat tone that reminded me of a soundtrack to a horror movie. I also had the strange sensation that the music was meant only for me. I froze when I heard the song continue past the first few notes, realizing how strange this was and instinctively looked under the stall doors. That's when I heard a mechanical whirring that sounds like what happens when you wind up a toy. As I stayed with my eyes transfixed on the space below the stalls, the whirring got louder. And, in the stall furthest from mine, at the very edge of the far side of the bathroom, two life-size doll legs slowly lowered themselves towards the ground, as though a doll was sitting on the last toilet, and the music had cued her to move. The doll legs were the size of a life-size Barbie, so at first I thought maybe a student had left their Barbie in the bathroom, but even as a first grader, I knew that this was unlikely. It was the late 90s, but I had never seen a mechanical Barbie doll before. And the legs weren't the typical shiny Barbie plastic with the slight bend in the knee. They were stick straight, like a corpse, the skin tone painted on an ashy white with a little green faux ballet shoe painted around the toes. I have never seen a Barbie look so lifeless. No humans were in that bathroom. There was no radio or anything to account for the music. My school didn't have life-size dolls or robots or machines for kids to operate. I have no idea who in their right mind would place a mechanical doll on a toilet in a first grade bathroom stall and accompany its movement with creepy music at the end of a school day on Halloween. Needless to say, first grade Allie never returned to that bathroom ever again. Very few people have believed that this is a real memory and not some figment of an overstimulated, spooked out six-year-old's imagination. Well, this was really right for a a Five Nights at Freddy's episode, I'd have to say. Yeah. Love it. These animatronic legs. Yeah. Lifeless animatronic legs. I'm sorry that happened. What's her name? Allie. This was actually sent in by a listener. Allie, Allie Z. Thank you, Allie Z. Thank you. Yeah. This would be my worst nightmare as a kid. 100%. I get it. I really relate to the bathroom setup in this story. The remote bathroom? Yeah. Like the abandoned yeah. <laughs> feeling remote bathroom. I had the creepiest lower school bathroom mm -hmm. ever. We had to use a bathroom that was in like a dark tunnel. It was the weirdest thing. What? <laughs> yeah. So it was like this charming little like playground that everyone's classrooms like looked onto, like an interior playground. And then there was the classrooms that circled it. But then on one side, and it was the side that had kindergarten and first grade, on the back side of those classrooms was just like a dark tunnel. And I'm talking like <laughs> it was the alley between buildings, but they had covered the top so that it was dark. And then there was like a gate at the end of it. So it was like at the very end, there was the light coming in from the gate. And we had to walk in this like dark tunnel to this uh, the bathroom in the interior of the tunnel. And when she was talking about the bathroom in this, I was like, oh, my God, I hated going to the bathroom in kindergarten mm -hmm. because it was freaky to me. It was very it felt remote, like no one would hear you in there. 
I feel like we weren't we weren't old enough to be walking in this tunnel. Yeah, what first grade you said? I was kindergarten and first grade when I had to use this bathroom. Okay. And that's when I learned to just hold it. <laughs> Don't drink water. Dehydrate yourself throughout yep. the day. I'd be curious to see you go back and see the tunnel as an it's adult. Super bright. And if it matches up, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, my I feel like the school I went to made a lot of improvements since I went there. I bet it's like there's a mural in there and it's mm-hmm. all nice, but it was it was just a tunnel. It was just a tunnel to the bathroom. That would be really scary. Were, were all of your classmates scared of it? I don't think I ever talked about it with anyone. But hearing this- <laughs> We don't talk about the tunnel. <laughs> it's too traumatic. But hearing the story, I imagined it happening in that bathroom. Well, here's the thing. I think this is why so many horror movie scenes take place in bathrooms. They are inherently creepy. Yeah. Because there's just so many opportunities for like jump scares mm-hmm. <laughs> for someone to be hiding. It's a room with smaller rooms in it. Right. There's so many doors for someone to pop out from behind. But I have a, a custom of seeing horror movies during the daytime. I see matinees of horror movies. Usually there's not many other people at the theater. So I go to the bathroom after I've seen the movie and the bathroom is usually completely empty. And this particular bathroom at this particular movie theater I go to has so many stalls on either side. I'm like, this is a potential horror movie scenario I'm walking into like every time. You could be inside the stall and then a hand just starts to creep over the edge of the door or a pair of feet just like stop in front of the stall and you just see them through the bottom. Or just the classic, you know, someone accidentally looks at you peeing through the crack in the door because it's an inch wide. <laughs> I can't stand that. Yeah, we it's we need to be making these better. Circling back to the story, the the feet descending like with a little uh right sound effect, like a little animatronic <laughs> sound effect. I mean I'm curious, when you hear this, does it seem like a overactive imagination or does it seem like a weird prank? I mean, I've had, I've shared a few stories with friends where we swear this thing happened to us and it's a very outlandish story. I definitely do think like my childhood memories are not entirely accurate sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this one also reads to me like kids from an older grade right. doing this on purpose. Yeah. Though I feel like I'd hear a little like, (laughs) you know, if that's true. But I could see, I don't know how big like the lifelike legs were. If you're that small, you can think big means something different, you know. But maybe they Mm -hmm. did have like some, you know, classroom toy that they like snuck in there and like did something to a younger kid. I definitely feel like there was that kind of vibe in my school at least. Yeah. I mean, I could see that happening. I think... Um, she only saw the bottom of its legs and feet, right? Yeah. She never saw the full body. And she said she heard music. Okay. Right. Coming from the vents, which is that's a, yeah, that, that's, that's a little different. a pretty elaborate prank. <laughs> that is very elaborate. Yeah. But who knows if it was actually coming from the vents or what. Right. I think generally getting scared as a child is traumatic and everything is basically then blown up and, you know, kind of exaggerated from there, I think, in our minds. Because I can think back to things that, like, that seemed so huge, but likely it wasn't. I was just small and scared, and it left an imprint, you know? So, like, that that long tunnel whoa, whoa, whoa. that you went I'm to the bathroom. I'm absolutely accurate about that. <laughs> 
No, that tunnel was just been like a cozy little Slytherin bathroom. It wasn't. (laughs) I'm going to go back there and I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to send it to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Yeah. I I really probably shouldn't go back into this like bathroom (laughs) tunnel and take pictures as a grown person. Now, a word from our sponsors. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey i'm gonna read this next one and it'll have you rethinking that antique doll you've had sitting in your room you knew about that right To start, I should warn you this is going to sound cliché, but I've always hated dolls. Of any kind. I never really talked about why until seven years ago, when I told my boyfriend, now fiancé, about the experiences I had when I was a little girl. My mom would always tell me my mind was playing tricks on me when I told her I'd seen a shadow, or it looked like someone was standing in the corner of my room. But this was different. I always knew this was real. When I was growing up, from the ages of five to nine, I had a rag doll. She was around three feet tall, had two brown pigtails, and wore a short green dress. And she used to sit on my window seat 
next to my bed. I didn't play with her much. Not sure why. She always kind of creeped me out. What took place happened over the course of several years. And to be honest, I wonder if it's why I'm still afraid of the dark. At that point in my childhood, I had a daybed, the kind with bars curving around three sides of it in a decorative fashion. And I used to sleep with the crown of my head towards the door, with my feet towards the window. Sometimes, at night, for no reason at all, I would wake up suddenly. (laughs) And not the sort of wake up where you slowly come to, feeling slightly groggy. I mean, I would go from being completely asleep to wide awake. And every time, I mean every single time, I would have this overwhelming urge to turn around. It was like I had to, but I was too afraid to actually sit up. I almost felt like I needed to pretend that I was still sleeping. So instead, I would twist my neck upwards a little to look towards my door. Every time I did this, I would always see the exact same thing. A dark, shadowy figure standing in my doorway. It was about three feet tall, had pigtails, and was wearing a short dress. It always scared me, and I always knew it was that doll. I couldn't move, so I would just stare at it. I started sleeping with my Bible on my nightstand because I felt it might help keep me safe. I didn't talk about this for a long time. I was always afraid my family would think something was wrong with me, or they would blow it off as my mind playing tricks on me or something. Three years ago, my older brother came to visit me and my fiance. It was around Halloween, so we decided to go to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal. We were standing in line at the Annabelle-themed haunted house, and I looked at my fiance. I was freaking out. He'd known about my story for a few years at that point. He told me I should tell my brother, thinking it would be funny to scare him even more. So I did. My brother went completely stiff and stared at me. Then he told me that when he was little, he used to run past my bedroom to avoid looking in because sometimes, at night, he would see a dark, shadowy figure around three feet tall, with pigtails and a short dress, walking around the room. He saw it for years, just like I did, and that was the first time we had spoken about it. My mom eventually sold the doll, and neither of us had that experience again. I'm 25 now. I still don't like dolls, I'm still afraid of the dark, and I still have nightmares of shadowy figures that look like little girls. Sometimes I wonder, who has that doll now? This was actually sent in by another listener, Ashley Roberts. Thank you, Ashley Roberts. Yeah, thank you, Ashley. I actually very much identify with a lot of the things in this story. (laughs) Yeah, because you hate dolls. I hate dolls. And when she brought up uh, keeping the Bible next to her nightstand because she felt protected by it, I used to do that all the time when I was younger. 
And honestly, in my adult life, it's happened once or twice. It still happens here and there. Only now there are also crystals. Oh my (laughs) God. (laughs) I'm just, I'm covering all my bases. Okay. I'm just like a pillow fort girl. Like, I just like, I will (laughs) create a little U shape. Mm -hmm. No one's getting through my pillow fort. If it makes you feel safe. This story reminds me of something that a lot of people have been sending in, which is these little like punishment dolls, these timeout dolls. What? Oh my gosh. Let me find this. Hold, hold, please. Okay. This was sent in by Tammy Lee. She wrote, hey friends, just thought I should give you a visual of my timeout doll so you can see her creep factor. And then she sent me these pictures of this thing that's apparently called a timeout doll. Mm -hmm. Look at that. (laughs) It's like the size of a small child, and it basically wears like a hat. I don't think it has a face. I don't know, but it basically uh, puts its head down into its arms. Like it looks like it's in timeout, and it always faces the corner. Why? (laughs) It's a thing. She, Tammy's not alone. We got a couple messages with people with timeout dolls, and they are meant to be positioned that way. Yeah, they're in timeout, like as decor. It's just in a corner against a wall. Yes, exactly. That's so... I need to know, like, the history of the timeout doll. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Timeout doll. Yeah, timeout dolls for sale. Big on eBay right now. Get them while they're hot. I don't understand. Are they recent? Or is this, like, an old tradition? You know, like... Okay. A timeout doll is a North American folk craft in the form of a toddler-sized doll that is intended to be posed against a wall, hence the alternative name corner dolls. The dolls typically lack a face, and the doll's arms are posed to cover it. They originate in the 1950s. Okay. Okay. How interesting. I guess it was passed down. It's a generational thing. In addition to being used as home decor, timeout dolls are strongly associated with classic car shows. What? The dolls can be posed against the car in such a way that it hides any dents or scratches. (laughs) This is from everybodywiki.com. <laughs> Unexpected. How much would I have to pay you to sleep with one of those in your room? Um, $10 million. No, be real. How much would I really have to pay you? To sleep with that in my room? Like, would you take $100? Yeah, you have to throw out an offer. I can't. Would you uh, take 100 No, not 100 No. Okay, would you take no. 200 No. One night? No, no, no. One week. One week? One week. Seven nights. Uh, then you have to multiply that by okay, ten seven hundred dollars. <laughs> seven hundred to have that thing in my room for a full week. No, I need at least a thousand dollars. But you do it for a thousand dollars. What's the backstory of this thing? Like, I would need to know the history of it. You know, was it just made? Is it from the nineteen fifties? Was it used in a car show? It's definitely at least. 20 to 30 years old. Oh, $2,000. $2,000? I thought I was the the wimp. I'll do it for 500. 500? I'd actually probably do it for 300. I don't know. I just think, how much money can I get out of this? I'm thinking about how much money I can make. Oh, you're just just trying to hardball. Negotiate, yeah. (laughs) You're just trying to milk me for all I've got. Yeah, I would say 1,000. That's fine. But yeah, it's interesting... That it was a rag doll because um, it just makes me think of Annabelle because the real Annabelle doll is a Raggedy Ann Mm. doll. It's not the, uh, you know, the movie version. 
Interesting. I had no idea that Annabelle came from like a real life story of any kind. How far back does the real Annabelle go? Uh, I think it was the 60s. Let's see. Yeah, I don't really know anything about Annabelle, like the history of Annabelle. Okay, the real Annabelle doll was given to Donna, a nursing student, as a birthday present by her mother in 1970. It was a Raggedy Ann doll, bought secondhand from a hobby store. So, you know, she could have been older than that. How old are Raggedy Ann dolls? I don't know, but I have one. Oh, you do? I have an old one here. Yeah. It's literally right behind me. Do you see that bag? There's a, <laughs> it's in, there's a Raggedy Ann in there. It's just in a bag behind <laughs> Meredith yeah. right now, like a little body. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? What do you think of this? This is another childhood memory, but she experienced it many, many times, and her brother also saw something. Um, I mean, I do think it's very relatable. Mm-hmm. I definitely did get weird vibes from different toys and stuff that didn't last long in my house because I just didn't like them or didn't really want to be around them. Yeah. So I do think that's pretty common. I don't know about like the, you know, if it was the shadow playing tricks on them or, you know, if it was actually moving. Mm -hmm. To me, why keep it around? You know? Well, her mother, she said her mother did sell it, but she never told her mother, I guess, because she was worried about being believed. Yeah, I do think... I know a lot of times the criticism to these stories are people are like, why aren't you talking about it? If you actually think yeah. something's weird, why aren't you talking about yeah. it? But I do feel like there is a part of me that's coming around to understanding that where you don't want to actually speak truth into something that you really don't want to be true. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah, you would prefer that. I would maybe move it from, you know, its window seat right next to her bed. I might do that. You know, I actually, now that we're talking about this, I need to show you the doll that I slept with on my bed because it's a really creepy old uh, Alice in Wonderland doll. Mm -hmm. But I liked it. I liked I like old things and I liked it. Yeah. But I would just always turn it face down and I would be careful not to like throw it because I was afraid like subconsciously that I didn't want to like <laughs> anger the doll, even yeah. though I don't really believe in any of the, that kind of stuff. So it was just this like little tradition that I had that I would just place it at the foot of my bed like face mm -hmm. down and put a pillow over it. But then I would just put it back on my bed. So you just smother it. <laughs> <laughs> but really gently, really gently. Mm -hmm. Gentle, gentle smother. Or you could just put it on a, an armchair that directly faced your bed. That's mm -mm. even better. That's the worst option. That's the <laughs> worst <know>. option. <laughs> I think I told you my other friend whose house I tried to sleep over a few times, she had a room full of dolls and her closet was full of dolls. Oh, we all have a friend like that. I had a friend like that too. What the hell? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Porcelain dolls were such a thing. Yeah, they really were for a while. You get one. Collected, get one. passed down generations. Yeah, there should be an allotment. You can have one if you must. Mm -hmm. You cannot have 12. You cannot have 18. No. You can't have 50. You can have one. And you can take it out three months of the year. <laughs> you pick. <laughs> and here's another ad 
Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all of that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Let's tune in to another story. I used to work at a place which was required to be manned 24 hours a day. Reason being is that I handled sensitive documents and files, and if somebody needed this information, say in the middle of the night, I would have to fetch it for them, or at least confirm that I did have it. Anyways, security is always kind of tight. There's bars on windows and multiple locked doors to get to where I am. They would give me work to do during the night, but underestimated how quickly I could get it done. So, like most nights, I finished my work in like 30 to 45 minutes and pulled out my phone and played games. Or watched Netflix since nobody was in the building at night. So now it's getting to be the last third of my shift when all of a sudden I hear a door closing. I look to the security camera and see someone walking down a hall towards my room. At first, I thought it was just somebody that came in ridiculously early. 
So I turn around and wait for them to walk into the room. But nobody comes in, and the hairs on my back start to rise. Now, this isn't really a big building, so I figure I'll find the guy wherever he is and start checking offices and storage rooms, but I come up empty-handed. However, I do see that a fire door had been closed shut. I go to try and rewind the camera, but the digital recording is password protected and I don't know the password. The whole thing freaked me out. The way the person was walking down the hallway, like a determined walk to get to where I was. So I sit with my spine tingling for the last couple hours of my shift, and finally coworkers start coming in. My replacement shows up and I tell her what I saw, and at this point I figured I must have imagined the whole thing. I'm told to go home, and the manager and woman who replaced me would look over the camera. After getting home, I called my manager and asked what was on the camera. She said that the video showed the fire door closing, but then the video froze for about an hour. The next thing it records is me reopening the door. I just can't explain it. Five Nights at Freddy's. Let's get into it. Let's do our movie debrief. Yeah. Movie thoughts. I guess I'd like to know the perspective of someone who knows nothing about the games. Did you know a lot about the games going in? I know a fair amount about the games because I have watched gameplay. Mm -hmm. Um, For some reason, I like to watch a lot of horror gameplay. For some reason, that fits your personality. (laughs) Well, because I feel like I should be playing them. No, you don't have time for that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if my poor nervous system could handle it. (laughs) Yeah. Just watch someone else play it. It's a huge jump scare game. And I would also become very frustrated, probably. I have a short temper when it comes to games. Mm. Like Mario Kart? Nuh-uh. If you hit me with a shell before that finish line, we are over. (laughs) Mm, I see. Noted. (laughs) I get it, though. I used to love watching my brother play video games when I was growing up because he would play scary video games like... Left for Dead and Bioshock, and I would just sit there and mm-hmm. watch them, and I'd be like, thank God I'm not playing, but you should probably go right. You should probably go to the right. Oh, <laughs> you died going to the right? Sorry, my bad. Oh, man. <laughs> so you backseat games. I loved watching. It was just like watching a movie. It was watching a movie mm-hmm. that I didn't have to you know, feel any stress about because right. it was just playing out for me. I didn't have to make the decisions, but- yeah. So yeah, I didn't know like a lot of I'd never played the video games. And when the when the trailer came out or when I became aware of the movie, that's when I learned about the video games. But I can mm-hmm. see how it would make a really good game. Yeah. Very effective. I'll say I was a little let down. Mm-hmm. You know, the trope in every horror movie about a doll or something like that is you look away and then when you look back, it's moved. And then you look away mm-hmm. and when you look back, it's moved again. I feel like they didn't really do that very much with this movie at all. And I was like, wait, there's such an opportunity here. You have animatronics in a closed down, essentially Chuck E. Cheese late at night. I want that stuff to really be played with. But they didn't really go for that like kind of creepy slow burn angle. They sort of like went immediately into like killer animatronics, run away. Mm -hmm. And I think that that stuff wasn't as scary to me. It felt like they're just going fully for jump scares. Right. Well, I honestly also... I didn't even feel very jump scared. No, because you could see him coming from like a mile away. Right. 
I think they were so focused on getting the lore right yeah. and paying tribute to the games that they didn't think like, hey, let's have fun with this movie about animatronics coming to life. You know, like yeah. you could have had so much more fun. You Agreed. could have had so many more creepy moments and recapture the scares and the feeling of the games a little bit more. Like he never actually within the movie plays the game. You know what I yeah, mean? I know what you mean. Like he wasn't ever really like uh, barricading himself in the control room. There's like a right. moment of it. Yeah. But he's not playing, you yeah. know, like it doesn't play out like in the game. Yeah, I, I noticed that. It didn't really have yeah. a, there didn't feel like there was any like long term mission to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it did really feel like it was like going for the emotional story, maybe a little right. too much. We spent a lot of time a too with his sister and that whole storyline, which we don't need yeah. to get into. And going back to his dreams. Yeah. Which I think was good. I was like, cool. I like that they put work into the protagonist and into like making you care about him. I feel like they just leaned too hard to one side and they needed to find like a middle ground. You know, like, yes. Trauma, nightmares, mental anguish, great. But also creepy animatronics that come to life. Let's do that too. <laughs> That's why I'm here. I'm here for that. Yeah. And speaking of the protagonist, the protagonist was played by Josh Hutcherson, who you may know as PETA from The Hunger Games. Yep. Um, Love me, Josh Hutcherson. Or maybe from that kid from Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> Is that what he was? Right. He was in that, right? Yeah. I think that was good casting. Yeah. I think he, you know, he did his best with what he had. And I like Josh Hutcherson. I mean, I think my biggest criticism overall maybe was like, I think it could have been a little creepier. I think that the mm -hmm. jump scares were really predictable. I'm, you know, I have a hard time with horror movies. This was so easy mm -hmm. to watch. Too easy. Like, I think maybe they were hoping more a lot of kids would come because it was really tame for a horror movie. Yeah. I think it was probably just aimed at Fans of the game, fans of the lore, and yeah, like a younger audience maybe trying to pull in yeah. that audience to like come along for the ride of <laughs> the rest of the franchise. I'm hoping they get scarier. Yeah, I mean, um, I love that. I, I love the setting. I love the setting. I will say there was one scene that I did find creepy. I think I liked the opening. The opening with the former security guard. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get out through this exit door, and at the end of the hallway is one of the animatronics, Foxy. And I think the way they shoot that and the way it's singing its little dum-da-dum-dum, I actually found that creepy. Mm -hmm. I like Foxy at the end of the hallway. I would have loved more of that stuff. You know? Yeah, I actually think the opening kind of made me feel like, oh, is this going to be like a little bit Saw-esque? Mm. You know, mm -hmm. there seemed to be like some Im like imminent torture that might yeah. be happening. Um yeah. But I do think it didn't really get much scarier than the opening. No. Um, I think for me, I'd say it's an enjoyable enough watch if you want to watch a horror movie in a group of people and not everyone is into horror or yeah. some people are younger. But I do think that the world is enjoyable enough. So if you have a positive or negative association with Chuck E. Cheese, this could be something <laughs> that you might enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Some nostalgia. Yeah. So here's my recommendation. Yeah, wrap this up for us. Wrap this up for us. Yeah. I don't want to discourage anyone from watching the movie because people are really into it. But what I will say is if you want to watch maybe another movie that has creepy animatronics coming to life, 
Um, I would recommend a movie called Willy's Wonderland. It's on Hulu. It stars Nick Cage. And he's oh, basically yeah. a dude drinking soda and taking down some creepy animatronics coming to life. And it's great. It's the exact opposite of this movie where it's no dialogue, <laughs> basically. And it's just him fighting these animatronics. I love Nick Cage's <laughs> choice in movies. He always does these like very little dialogue movies, these revenge movies, these crazy mm-hmm. action movies that he's just... Nick Cage versus the world. I I love it. I hope he never yeah. stops. Me neither. I would say if you're younger, if you want to be along for the franchise, if you're into the games and the lore, watch it. You know, like obviously people are enjoying it. I'm glad we watched it. We were really excited. And also, you know, just Josh Hutcherson. Yeah, Josh Hutcherson. Good for Josh Hutcherson. Let's support Josh Hutcherson coming back. I know. He hasn't done something in a while. And I, yeah. like, I just like his, I like his energy. Mm-hmm. I like saying his name. Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> it's a little hard. Because every time I think I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. Is it Hutchinson or is it Hutcherson? Yeah. You know, it turns out it's Hutcherson, so. Love to see him in more. Solid analysis. Solid analysis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And on that note. Cool. Bye. Bye. Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook.